Hello, I'm Pastor Michael Shannon with Identity Church in Deltona, Florida. We're glad that you made a decision to watch the service today. Please stay tuned after the service for more information about Identity Church. Now let's go ahead and join the service already in progress. All right, praise the Lord. How many said less than a perfect day? Okay, all right. Aren't you? Yeah, no, it was, it was wonderful. A little chilly, but it was still nice. Amen. Praise God. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you for being here tonight. You could be a lot of different places, but you made a choice to be in God's house. So I hope and pray that what's in my heart for you will be a blessing to you. Thank you, sis, for providing an atmosphere for us to join the Lord in. Appreciate it. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, we'll do a quick review of just the passages that we uh, looked at last night found in John 18. John 18. If I have a title for the, the message that uh, I'm, I'm sharing while I'm with you, it would be uh, uh, the inevitable battle for your future. There's always going to be something contending with us that's going to try and get us to settle and get us separated. And then uh, the fruit of our separation from God becomes evidence. So we're doing our best not to live a settled life that points out how separated or where, where we are separated from the Lord. In John 18, um, our text will start in verse 17. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I'm not. Now, the servants and officers who had made a coal of fires, or, or I'm sorry, a fire of coal, coals, stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So at this point in time, Peter is now starting to show um, some signs of where he was settled. Now, we've seen signs along the way. We watched how the Lord worked with Peter for three and a half years and pointed out these shortcomings in his life. And, and, and Peter would always ring out, you know, uh, I'll never forsake you. I'll die for you. Things of this sort. But we found out when push came to shove, when there was just enough pressure, enough stress applied where Peter's uh, heart really was. Well, maybe not where his heart really was, but where his character really was. So um, we're seeing that uh, Peter has warmed himself with the company of people that he made a choice to leave, to follow Jesus. He's, he's starting to go back. We're starting to see where he is settled. And I'll guarantee you, if you ever, if you ever advanced in the Lord and then you begin to regress, how many realize that that's not a comfortable position to be in? It's called a it's compromise. It's a compromised position. And I think that we all uh, have been there, and then I maybe I, I'm sure we've all adjusted from there, and we've made uh, choices to advance from there. So in John 21, Jesus does something for Peter. He brought Peter back to the moment that manifested his denial of him. He builds a fire of coals. Our text is verse 8 of chapter 21. But the other disciples came in, uh, came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land. 
about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. I shared with you last night that the law restricted them concerning the types of fish that they could eat. So the fishing that they did was in the shallows. But Jesus' instruction for them right from the very beginning was to launch out into the deep and let down for a catch. And um, there's a lot of things that we'll like to, that would just try and like to keep us limited and shallow. How many realize that if your hurt is deep, your, your forgiveness can't be shallow? Right? So, should I say it again? If your hurt is deep, your forgiveness cannot be shallow. It just can't. But there's a lot of things in life that wants to keep... Keep us shallow when the Lord would have us taste the deep things and, and, and really grow in the purpose that we're uh, upon the, the face of the earth to fulfill. So we see the Lord doing something here. Then in verse 9, then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. So Jesus begins to ask some questions to Peter. And before I begin in this, I just want to quickly uh, say to you that um, I don't really think that I fully understand the fruit that the body of Christ is getting ready to bear. But I just know that it's beyond where I'm at. I believe that there is an adjustment in God's heart and the people of God's, uh, the hearts of God's people. And when we make these adjustments and we align our character with his, it's going to be like there's, there's no limitation. Uh, there'll be no bras and ceilings. There'll be an open heaven. There'll be a flow of God's presence and God's, God's grace. So I don't think that we really understand the fruit that, we, uh, that God really wants us to bear. And, and I will tell you, it's a constant understanding that we come into. And we've always got to pay attention to where we're making decisions to settle. You know, where we're making decisions to, to compromise because that's the first step towards being separated from God's presence. And wherever God's presence isn't in our life by way of influence, the fruit of something else is, right? So um, I'm thankful that I can live blessed in a cursed world. Because I'll tell you, folks, I, I firmly believe that, that the church is designed by way of structure. It's designed by way of precepts to be for us to govern our lives by that are made for times like this. The only organization that's on the face of the earth that has actually been built to last through any season is the church. And I believe that if we'll do it God's way, we will show forth in this life a banqueting table in the presence of our enemies. I'm going to realize that that's not in the suite by and by. Okay? So that's not when you get to heaven. So uh, he begins to ask some questions to Peter. He begins to ask Peter, Peter, do you love me? Asked him three different times. Do you love me? And we know Peter's response, Lord, you know all things. So he's basically asking Peter, do you love me more than death? Do you love me more than the inconsistencies of human behavior? Do you love me more than the frustrations of feeding the sheep? Because feeding the sheep can get frustrating at times. Hello? Amen. You see, there's a reason why Peter's asking, or Jesus is asking Peter three different times, why do you love me? Well, in Matthew 26, 40, verses, uh, verses 40 through 41, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, he didn't address James, he didn't address John, he targeted Peter. And it's interesting to me, 
because I'm convinced that Peter would have never made it to Pentecost unless he was willing to be adjusted. He would have never been in a position to recognize the outpouring of God on the face of the earth or much less have the understanding to explain it to people unless he was willing to be adjusted. And I think that in God's people's lives, we're always one adjustment away from greatness, always one decision away from a breakthrough. I've tried it my way, and my way is not always the best way. And I've tried it God's way, and I found out that that is the best way. So I think that what's happening here is, is he finds Peter asleep. He targets Peter, and he says, what, could you not watch with me for one hour? He finds Peter sleeping. Three different times in verse 40, verse 42, and verse 45. But we also parallel that with Peter's three denials. And we know that Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster can crow. When he denies Jesus that third time, what happens? He begins to go out and weep bitterly. He understands that his, he feels in his heart like he is, he's beyond return. Like there's, there's, there's hopelessness that has now entered the picture. And I will tell you that at the moment of our, when we think that we are at the moment of our greatest disappointment to God, I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there. I found that it's only God willing to break fresh ground with me. When I didn't think I could land any lower, I found that the Lord was there waiting on me. And his voice was stronger in the time of tribulation, trial, and test in my life than at any other time. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. So I believe that where his soul was sleeping was where his denial was coming from. Deception always lies in the gaps of our souls. We need to pay attention to that. We know that in Matthew 26, 56, when Jesus was seized, what happened? All the disciples that said that they would never bail on him left. All of them. In America today, our Christianity is being slowly seized by all kinds of ways and in all different kinds of angles. Why? There's an agenda. And I'm not here to be political, okay? I'm here to call it what it is. It is a demonic agenda. Are, are, you, are you hearing me, okay? Now, we can, we can point fingers, and we can, we can definitely spot who, who the enemy is using, but the bottom line is, is that the devil hates the body of Christ, the devil hates our destiny. The devil hates our purpose on the face of the earth. We're here for a reason. Okay? So there's all kinds of things that are going on, but it's really an agenda that we've got to pay attention to, to what the enemy's really up to. So Peter had gone back to a settled life. He went back to the very place that Jesus called him out of in Luke chapter 5. At least in the area that caused Peter to deny the Lord, the area that had been that had been separated that had separated him before and after he had met the Lord, but he's now gone back to this separated life, and he's in this separated position. So we need to understand uh, what was going on in Peter's soul. What was what were some of the triggers in Peter's soul? I, I don't really fully understand all the torment that maybe the man uh, had had been reared in or what he had been through in life. I, I do understand the legalism that he came up out of concerning religious teaching and threats and, and fear and things of this sort. But I can honestly tell you that Peter had some problems. The first thing that I see that Peter has is an anger problem. John 18.10. The root of any anger is fear. 
We need to understand that. We need to realize that when we begin to get angry, we need to ask ourselves, why am I being angry here? It's a detectant to what's wrong. Nothing wrong with being angry and sinning not. But it's a whole different realm when your emotions are out of control and you're angry and frustrated to, to a point where you say things or you do things that's not godly. Right? So Peter had some, had some anger problems. I see a, an insecurity in Peter. He was missing what the Lord was trying to get him to see and learn to die to along the way, and it was inevitable. It came to the surface when it needed to come to the surface. I am convinced that the government is doing the body of Christ a justice right now. I'm convinced that the pressures of life, the stress, the anxieties, all the, in, the instabilities, all these fear factors are giving us an opportunity to take a real good look at where we're really at. And if there are things where we have been settled in that are now starting to get surfaced, we better pay attention that we have been separated from him too long. And I believe that he wants to do something about that separation. Okay? So I don't think that when it comes to our restoration that we can just remorsefully uh, pray. We have to go out and weep bitterly. We discussed that last night. That's an interesting Greek terminology. It means that you have to be willing to pierce your soul through with your own deliverance. Now, I don't find too many folk getting saved like that in America today. I don't find too many Christians really really finding, you know, the, uh, the, the, just the, the, the unbearable thought that I have been separated from God and I am so torn by it that I am willing to fall on my face and cry out to God and say, God, pierce whatever needs to be pierced so that I don't have to be separated any longer. Now, whether it be a deception or whether it be a hurt or it could be a thousand things. But the bottom line is, is I believe that we've got to start getting back to genuine repentance. How many realize that repentance is a it's an intervention? It's a love on a whole different level. It's an agape intervention. Has nothing to do with being being manipulated by some brow beating control freak but has everything to do with having a relationship with the Holy Spirit that when we run into something, or maybe when we have something that we've coexisted with too long, the Holy Spirit has access to that and say, listen, this is only, be, it's only going to be detrimental to you in the long run. Let me remove that from you. Let me take that spot off your garment. Let me iron out that wrinkle. Let me deal with that spot in the love feast that gathers Sunday after Sunday, and nobody seems to recognize it. I believe with all my heart that we're headed somewhere. We talked about a corporate uh, weeping and, and, and piercing last night. We talked about uh, generational weeping and piercing last night. And I believe that the church is going to get back to a presence. I mean, a real presence. I thank God for, you know, uh, the, the chicken skin that we get every now and then. But I'm talking about a presence that leaves fruit that... Um, that only he can provide. You know, when people come to church and they leave church with gold teeth, I don't have scripture to back that up, okay? But I can only tell you that that seems to be the fruit of his presence. Any type of imperfection, when it's in it, gets perfected. 
So I don't think, I, I think the people are going to just get up out of wheelchairs. I think the people are just going to walk away from canes. I think people are going to come in one way afflicted with, with infirmity, and they're going to find deliverance in God's house because of the pureness of the atmosphere, because of the real atmosphere of God. The church has been entertained too long. I'm, I've, never, I've never preached to more frustrated Christians that are so desperate to run after this and chase after that to trying to find some kind of breakthrough. They just, we just need to do it God's way. I'm sorry I'm getting a little upset, but, you know, I, I have a burden. I don't like when, when, when I get off track, I get, out, I get outside of God's light because I know how detrimental it can be. And, and, and I don't like to see the body of Christ chasing soulish sensationalism and then only being disappointed two months later. I think that we should be a little more accurate by now. I'm just saying. Okay? So wherever we're separated from His nature... That's where he'll be trying to introduce himself. We might not fully be aware of how he's trying to introduce himself, but I'll guarantee he is. Okay? He might be allowing us to live without his presence and influence long enough until we just get sick and tired of it. Until we get sick and tired of having, you know, the same conflicts in our marriage, sick and tired of having the same conflicts with our children, sick and tired of having the same afflictions in our body, sick and tired of our finances being up and down. How many realize that we've got principles to live by? We can live blessed. Amen. We can live healed. We can live delivered. Okay. Oh, here's the real question. How radical do you really want to be? I'm just radical enough to believe the Word. I'm just radical enough to listen to the Holy Ghost. Right? Amen? So I think that we've got to pay attention to that, and it just it, it, it happens in, in, out of our, 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 our little things, just doing the little things. Don't try and conquer Rome in a day. Just do the little things. Be faithful in the little, and then God will mature us to be faithful in the much. Right? And I thank God that if there's ever an organization on the face of the earth that has a guideline to live successful with, it's the church. And part of my responsibility as a prophetic gift to the body of Christ is to try and say whatever I can say or do that will get God's people ahead of the curve. I want to be ahead of the curve. Folks, I'm, t I'm telling you, we are going to need to be as stable and as rock solid as we could possibly be because there's days that are coming that are going to be turbulent. Okay, so what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 22, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. There's a king hiding in the baggage, and the prophet Samuel has been sent to Saul and pulls him out of the baggage and begins to let him know that he's called to be the king over Israel. And I, I just, I, I don't mean to parallel this to with the body of Christ, but maybe I do, I don't know. I, I feel that there's a lot of kings and priests in God's body that are hiding in the baggage. And we've got to let the prophets pull us out of this baggage and remind us who we really are. Amen? So there's five questions that I want to ask you tonight. The first question is this. How is the condition of your heart right now? 
I mean, really, where is your heart? I, David was a man after God's own heart, but how many realize that he had some issues? Okay, so I think we've got to ask ourselves, where's our heart really at? Number two, how long is my thought life or, or how has my thought life been lately? You, you know, you and I got to pay attention to our thought life, right? We've got to pay attention to every imagination that tries to exalt itself above, above the measure of the knowledge of Christ. Our feelings, listen, our feelings, we get, this is the reason why you got to pay attention to your thought life. Your feelings will be directly connected to your thoughts. So you have to pay attention to these things because if your thoughts are out of control, then your feelings are out of control. Your feelings are out of control, then your thoughts are out of control. Number three, what are the motives of my heart? And I will tell you, motives change as you mature. Right? So we can come into this thing one way, and as we begin to grow, we can really begin to get on track. I'm talking about really getting on track. I'm talking about living beyond, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, unrealistic dreams, but really living the day-to-day, -day, everyday, consistent Christian walk with God. A lot of people just want to live in the clouds. I call it living, uh, you know, trying to build a second-story floor on an empty lot. There's just, there's just no foundation. You know what I'm saying? So we have to pay attention to that. Number four, how am I feeling about my Father in heaven? It's vital. Vital. I, I, I had, a, had a, the only thing my Father taught me how to do is drink. And he taught me well. <laughs> but at, at the age of 11, my Father was shot down in front of me at a family gathering that I, I really, it's really hard for me to, to call it a family gathering, you know, when I was produced by a bunch of murdering thugs, um, you know, um, and so I grew up, uh, you know, uh, very poor, I grew up, uh, you know, without the influence of a dad, I grew up, uh, you know, just with a lot of fear and a lot of insecurity. And every day of my life, I have to remind myself I have a heavenly father. And I might not have had a good example on the face of the earth, but he's the best example that I could ever get a hold of. And he reminds me every day that I am his son. And he affirms me. He believes in me. He believes in me when I don't believe in myself. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that's pretty good security. And I will just, just, just want to just encourage you to, to, to challenge the, and think about the, the feelings that you have in your heart concerning your Heavenly Father. And number five, how is your soul growing? I mean, you can really chart this if you want to. Think about how your soul has grown over the last 30 days. Think about maybe a goal that you want to achieve over the next 30 days, about how you want to grow your soul. But you got to pay attention to that. How am I growing in my mind? How am I growing in my will? How am I growing in my emotions? Am I still the same person that I was a year ago? You know how many people I go, I, churches I go back to, and I find people that, that they're talking the same talk, they're walking the same walk, they're producing the same fruit. I would call it fruit, but it's not really productive fruit. They're just stuck. And I don't believe that God has designed this this way. 
Okay? So how has your soul grown? Psalms 139, verses 23 to 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So God already knows how many hairs we left on our pillow last night. Never missed a sparrow's funeral, right? He knows us better than we know ourselves. And all God asks out of us is for us to be honest with ourselves, not hide ourselves from ourselves. Because I'll guarantee you, if it hasn't already crept into your life, where the deception has been lying too long is starting to manifest, and it's trying to push you away from God. And God is stepping up and sending words of, of hope to his people, saying you don't have to stay settled somewhere and separated from me. All you have to do is just bring that thing out into the light, and let's deal with it together. There are people in here that need tremendous turnarounds in a number of different ways. Right? But it's almost like people are, are, are too afraid to, to embrace uh, the future that is beyond where the enemy, the enemy has kept them trapped. I understand that mentality. I understand not, not, not thinking that I can actually honor God with my tithe. I thought to myself, how in the world can I afford to do this? Well, after I began to catch a revelation, I thought to myself, how in the world can I afford not to do this? Because we're talking about trusting the creator of the heavens and the earth with my finances. <laughs> it's just, you know what I'm saying? It, glory to God. I, I'm going to keep preaching, but I told you something last night. And I want to reiterate it tonight. There's some adjustments that are needed in your life, okay? And it's 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 aligning your priorities, okay? And 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 everything. It's the anointing is going to run downhill from it. All right. There's healing that you need in your body. There's good stewardship that you need. Uh, in, in and I don't. I've lost. Uh, I've lost 65 pounds, and I I'm going to lose some more. Okay, and and I don't bring I don't say that uh, to embarrass you in any way. Okay, but I really believe with all my heart that it's going to be making these adjustments that's going to release the blessing of the Lord in in a greater degree on your life, uh, in your health with your body, uh, in your stewardship with your finances. All these different things are 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 sitting on ready to be blessed, but you have to make the choice. You know, I mean, just, I wish I could just, you know, just wave my hand and everything would be good, you know, but I, I had to make the choice. I have recently been making those choices, so that's uh, an encouraging word. Yes, sir. Amen. Well, I just really believe that six months from now, you're going to be a whole different guy. Thank you. In a whole different position. Amen. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I hear the Lord saying this. There's a promotion that it hasn't passed you by. It's just whoever needs to bring this promotion to you is questioning, they're pondering right now whether or not they should give it to you, okay? But it's going to be a promotion that invites you to a different level, okay? I believe that your choices that you've been making are setting some things in motion right now that are much, much beyond where you've been. And everybody in this room needs to pay attention to that. 
okay? Because you find yourself in the same situation. You might not find it in the same situation that my brother has found himself in. Could be in a whole different arena of life. But the bottom line is, is these adjustments of repentance and good stewardship and, and making good decisions and honoring God is releasing the grace of God in an incredible rate right now. So I got a feeling that six months from now, I'm not only going to see a different guy on the outside. I'm going to see a whole different guy of God operating through you on the inside and the fruit of it just bursting all around you on the outside. <laughs> all right, man. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we're, uh, we're paying attention to these anxieties and we already know that where, 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 where they're at, where God, God already knows where they're at. So uh, I, I got a feeling that the Lord wants us just to, to trust him in it. Right? Psalms 24, verses thir 3 through 10. I'm just, it's, it's a long passage. Let me read it to you. Uh, who may ascend into the whole, uh, to the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from, from the God of salvation. This is Jacob the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen? So there, in our lives, there's always going to be a perspective shift that is going to be needed. Why? Because our perception is our reality. Our perception is our reality. Interesting passage of Scripture in Matthew 25 about uh, some folks that received talents from a Lord. One received five, one received two, one received one. But even though the Scripture says that they were given these talents based upon their potential, Understand that potential also comes down through the same viewing of, of our perspective. You can't recognize your potential until you can see through it. You can see it through the, through the eyes of, 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 of being uh, uh, perceptive, okay? So, you know, we, we have to look at this and, and we have to realize that, okay, maybe somebody was given five and I was given one, but I still, it was still given to me by the Lord. And, and, and I can still take what God's given me and I can do something with it. I can produce something with it. I don't need to bury it out of fear. I need to get it engaged. I need to get it involved with something, right? Has everything to do with how you look at it, okay? So don't look at yourself in any, any different light than, than the way the Lord looks at you, all right? I mean, I shared it last night that, that, that God loved us when we were sinners. I want you to think about that for a minute, when I was a sinner, he loved me. Why in the world would I think any differently just because I've learned I have got, I've got a few problems? You know, and, and, and I too, I think that we should be, we should be a little more comfortable in, in our approach to the Lord and God's approach to us. We shouldn't feel like, you know, he's displeased with us. We shouldn't feel guilt-ridden or condemned. We should feel convicted. Okay, 
But the enemy will try and make you feel all kinds of ways and think all kinds of thoughts that are completely different than the way God thinks about us. And it keeps us at a distance with him. It keeps us from really finding the security of him really being our father. Right? I don't know about you, but there's only certain people I can really, really trust. And I have great security in that because I feel like I can trust my wife with anything, all things. And that's a great security. Amen? We should feel that way with God. Father, I don't, I don't have to hide this from you. You, you, saw it, you saw it before I could see it. Before I could even begin to recognize it, you were there waiting on me with the right kind of love and support to coach me out of this. I don't have to go through the, the cycle of being condemned and guilt-ridden, and, and I, I, I don't have to live like that. I can respond out of security and trust you with everything. So it has everything to do with our perception. Amen. Glory to God. So I think that this statement is just a given. I believe that all, I believe we all realize that, that the way uh, to never living settled or separated from the Lord is to always be growing and developing into the likeness of Christ. I just think that that's a given. So I never want to personally become disobedient when it comes to conviction. I'm way beyond people thinking whatever they're going to think just because I respond to an altar call. I'm just way beyond that. You know, I, my wife will tell you, it doesn't matter where I get convicted. I'm going to repent. My wife says, you repent. She says, you're as thick as the day is long, but when you repent, you repent quick. And it's true. And I, can I encourage you, be quick to repent. Don't, don't hang on to things. Be quick to forgive. Don't hang on to things. How many realize that you can't control what other people do? All you can control is what you do. Right? And I think that we should have a, a, a little more uh, love and, and concern about, I, I know that when, when I, I, I make a blunder, I make a mistake, not, not, I'm not, not, not intentionally, but you know, Paul said I did some things out of ignorance. I know how I feel. I feel terrible because there's a gap there, and I don't feel right until I make it right with God, and God makes it right with me. Amen? So that's okay. I never want to stop growing when it comes to conviction. I never want to stop growing when it comes to evangelism. You know, I think it's time for the church to get interested in what God's interested in. And he's interested in people. We went to breakfast this morning and um, had a fabulous breakfast. Uh, what was the name, name of that place? Old Sugar Mill. Anybody ever been there? Isn't that the coolest place? Well, here is a man waiting on us. Actually, he wasn't so much waiting on us. He was bussing our table. And he kept saying, you guys have a blessed day. You guys have a blessed day. And, you know, Apostle and I, we were, we were both listening to him, and, and I was just trying to listen to what the Lord wanted to say to him. Well, we got up to leave, and as I was leaving the restaurant, he was kind of passing me, and the Holy Ghost checked me. And he said, I want you to just go over and tell him that his presence here is making a difference. 
He might be bussing tables and he might not be working the job that he might have in his heart to work, but he's being faithful where he is and he's making a difference where he is. The Lord said, tell him, you bring my presence into this place. And I can only imagine that man probably felt like God understood exactly where he was. God knew exactly what he needed to hear. And, and I got a feeling that it probably lit his fire to probably share his faith with multiple people today. Amen? I never want to lose that passion for evangelism. I pass out a track. It says, Jesus loves you, and the plan of salvation is on the back. Okay? And I will tell you, um, you want to be spiritual? I mean, you really, really want to be spiritual. No? then whatever is preached and whatever is taught, if it's not practical and you can apply it, it's not spiritual. Come on, y'all. We've got to quit producing disgruntled and disappointed people. And we've got to start... See, I was in a Zoom meeting with apostles around the world couple of weeks back. And you know what the question was on the, on the docket? How do you mature the 21st century believer? And it wasn't until the very end of this whole meeting that somebody finally spoke up and said, well, until somebody reproduces their life in somebody else's life, they'll never mature. But yet we have a church full of people that are afraid to share their faith. People saying, well, that's not my calling. Oh, I, I, I disagree. Disagree. God has given every believer two veins of ministry to grow through. Evangelism and the ministry of helps. The leadership of this church should have said amen. <laughs> because it's something, about, it's something about serving people that you find hard to serve that you actually find greatness in. How many realize that, you know, serving people that's easy to serve, that's just, you know, that's just easy, right? But it's, it's the ones that want to give you a hard time. Those are the ones that are hard to serve. But that's where you're going to grow in your Christ-likeness, okay? Ministry of reconciliation. If the, if the Holy Spirit is down on the inside of you reconciling your life, I got a feeling that that passion that God has for us wants to be shared with others, I really do. I, I, had, a, I had a dream. I've, I've been dreaming more than I've been seeing visions. I got a feeling the Lord's just letting me know I'm getting older. Um, I, I can't catch a vision hardly anymore. You know, I just did to God. Let's, I want, yeah, I, I go to sleep and that's when he talks, you know. But he does his best work at night, I found. You know, uh, I'm writing a, a book right now entitled From the Depth of His Understanding, The Romance of Prayer. And I, I, that's how my ministry started. It, I, was, I was discipled by intercessors. And I'm, I'm not talking about people that wear tin hats and act like they live on the moon and listen to a different frequency, okay? I'm talking about solid people that know how to groan in the spirit, people that really know how to operate in the... No, oh, there are people that are weird, man. You don't have to be spooky to be spiritual. You know what I'm saying? And they, they taught me how to pray. They taught me how to, how to get into my prayer closet and meet with the Holy Ghost and, and operate in word of knowledge before I could live my day. 
You know what I mean? So, you know, you, you get you get along with God and the Lord starts talking about your day. He'll, he'll actually schedule it. You know, around 1047, this is going to happen. And the world calls it deja vu. I call it my body catching up with my spirit. But it all happens in your prayer closets. And my ministry is not gravitated far from prayer. I have, a, I have a nationwide prayer movement in my ministry. I have intercessors in 26 states. And we, we gather. We have a northern team and a southern team. And we gather on Monday nights on, on, a, on a, call, uh, a call number and, and, and groan in the spirit. We, we, we meet quarterly and, and we have prophetic and apostolic impartation. And we, we get a, an outline for the next quarter. And we chase the heart of God and we keep our fingers on his, on his, on his pulse. And we're praying things out. We're praying in the nature needed. Amen? And, and I've not gravi gravitated very far from that. I, I pray in the Spirit hours every day. Every day. Because i got to stay in communion with the Holy Ghost. Me personally. Amen? I can only imagine what would happen in the business sector. You pray in the Spirit. i got a feeling that your creativity would be off the hook. In fact, one of the things that the Lord had been talking to me about, and I'll share more tomorrow, is um, I think that if we will make these adjustments, the body of Christ has always, I believe, by design to lead the world in technology. Lead the world in government. Lead the world in every spectrum of life, every vein of life. We are the ones with the, the, the creative force down on the inside of us. The world should be following our examples. I'm just saying. So we got to ask ourselves, well, how, how bold do I want to be? I think that in whatever you're doing occupationally, you're not there so much to work a job as you are there to evangelize that harvest field. Okay? Now, granted, they didn't hire you to pray. Okay, you have to, you have to be wise. You've got to set an example. You've got to get them asking questions. Who are you? Where did you come from? You're different. And then you'll have people ringing your doorbell at two in the morning. Wanting to get right. Okay, so we've got to pay attention to this. Understand that I don't want to ever get too far away by way of disobedience when it comes to end-time events. And I don't know how you feel about your eschatology, and I'm not here to preach on eschatology. But the church wants out of here, and God wants in here. You know, the church has got a bad case of PMS. Pack my suitcase. <laughs> you know, we, we've got to start paying attention, folks. And, and we don't have to be bullied. It's time for somebody to stand up and tell the devil to shut up. Now, is it going to be easy breaking out of old behavior? Is it going to be easy when you're when you're when you're scourged and when you're challenged and 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 when you're you know you're left to just kind of be on your own? No, it won't be easy. But I will tell you, you navigate through that season, and you know what you'll find? You'll find that you and the Lord can stand through just about anything. When everybody left Paul, Paul rung out and he said, "God, with you on my side, I can't miss." Hello.
Okay, so when it comes to end time events, however this plays out, all right, I, I don't really care. Uh, if I if I live long on the earth, then I've got an expiration date. I'll just you know go back to the dust of the earth, and I'll, my spirit will go on back to heaven. Okay, if we if we happen to experience a rapture, that would be awesome too. I won't fight that, right? But however it's going to play out when he comes. However he decides to come, whether it be a catching away from the earth or whether it be the next move, I'm going to be in position. I'm going to be in position. I'm going to do my... And what I found about moves of God is every time I think I'm right to be part of a move of God, the move of God shows me I still need to be adjusted. Right? So we're always going to be in this cycle. Always going to be in this, in this, in this transitional move of, 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 of maturing and developing in the things of God. So let me just ask you a final question tonight. We all have a future in us. The question is, is do we really want to be part of that future? How passionate are you about being part of the future that God has placed in you? Are you passionate enough to say, you know what? I've got some settled areas that's really produced an evidence of how separated I've been from God, and I need to get these areas right. I'll go ahead and say it. I need to repent. We, we act like that's such a bad thing. It's an awesome thing. Right? So with every head up, and every eye wide open. <laughs> you can honestly, yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. You can honestly say, hey, look, I got some gaps, man. If you got some gaps and you, and you don't want them anymore, then why don't we move out of our seats and come up here real quick? Thank you for watching. For more information about Identity Church, visit us at identitychurch.net or... Come visit us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m., 777 Deltona Boulevard in Deltona, Florida. God bless.